the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is going to be, this is my favorite type of show because it's all about the practical information that we can do in our everyday lives to help improve our health. But even on vacation, there is a new trend in ecotourism and along with that, a push for hotels and motels and resorts to have their own wellness centers. So whether we're at home or on vacation, we can focus on our heart and vascular health. We have with us today, Sid Garza Hillman. He is the head of wellness for the new Stanford Inn, a brand new health and wellness center slash hotel along the Mendocino coast, which is right in my neck of the woods, right up the California coast. And he is going to be talking about some new advanced, what, nutritional and wellness options that a lot of these uh, hotels and such are offering. So I'm really excited about this, John. We should have gotten you on a plane and we both should have gone live at the Stanford Inn. I know. I I mean, so clearly, and forgive my ignorance, I've never heard the term ecotourism before. Maybe I have. I just didn't really put two and two together. And, you know, you're on the West Coast. I'm in the heartland. Things take a little bit to get to us, so I don't know if we have ecotourism, but maybe after this show, I'll uh, want to start start something. But uh, in preparation for this show, Sid and I had a conversation, and he shared with me a lot of what he does and did, and he's a podcaster. He's written some books, and he's a um, – I'm going to get this wrong, and he's going to correct me, but we he, he's, he's a, a breathing coach, I think, and so I've got a little treat for us at some point during the show that I've got planned. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I really enjoy the opportunity to talk to somebody about something that I don't really know a lot about and they're a content expert. So ecotourism, wellness centers, eating healthy, it's all good. So let's just, let's, let's roll. I think it's about time before we get started with a moment of inspiration from you, Dr. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular vascular moment of inspiration. So, 
I'm getting ready to go on vacation um, tomorrow. Yeah, right. Speaking of which, make me jealous. Well, you know, it's been kind of a stressful month for me. We, I know I've shared this with you. We are short staffed in our cath lab. And so I've been working a lot and on call and, you know, first world problems, et cetera. And, um, you know, we're going to be talking about uh, the the resort that folks go to to relax and then the wellness center that Sid runs. But I was trying to find an interesting quote about worrying and stress and things. And so I have two. Um, the first one is about worrying. And, and this is um, anonymous. I don't know who said it, but they said worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. So I thought that was Love kind that. of interesting. Love and that. then, I mean, I'm not a I like Oprah Winfrey. I don't really watch her show. Not a huge fan. But this is a quote that I, I thought was kind of interesting along the lines of breathing and, and trying to get the most out of that expansion of the lungs. She's quoted as saying, breathe, let go and remind yourself that this very moment is the only one you know you have for sure. So I, I think the nice thing about it is you say, all right, I'm, I'm here in the moment. I can capitalize on this. I'm there's a stimulus in front of me and between that stim stimulus and how I react is a space. And, and so I have the, I can choose how I react and to worry about it or not worry and, and just kind of being in the moment. So with that, let's get into wellness. Let's get into nutrition. Let's get into ecotourism. I love that both of those quotes, they both remind me of just a situation this week with one of our, our patients in one of our groups who called me very concerned because she had just found out that she had a stroke, but only had thought she had had a heart attack and she had had both when she was in oh cardio rehab. Right. But now that she's learned that she had a stroke, she's concerned that the cardio rehab isn't enough for her. So the poor thing was just in tears yesterday, freaking out about the fact that she had had a stroke. But her whole treatment protocol for re rehab is not going to change. And so I had to walk her through the fact that to say that, well, does the fact that you have a, had a stroke change anything as to where you're at right now and where you're going in your treatment plan and your rehab plan? We need to stop right now and, and put away the past and be proactive about the future. You can't cry about spilt milk. You can only clean it up. Yeah, we we had a, um, a meeting with some of our nurse practitioners about some issues. And that was, you know, you, you, yes, you can deal with you have to deal with the past, recognize it. But but you got to move forward and, and, and take a positive step forward as opposed to either going backwards or spinning in place. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully, hope you had a good week as well, Kim. Right. Oh, we had a tough one as well. So we're we're just moving out of that whole um, we had a, I think I mentioned last week that we had a patient we had to have life flighted um, because there wasn't a vascular surgeon on call in her middle of nowhere hospital. And by the time they were able to get the life flight in, it was too late. Her leg had already gone septic. And a few days later, she is just she is passed. But, um, you know, all the doctors tried, everyone tried, did the best they could. And while we try to save everybody, not everyone can be saved. And each and every one is really hard. So <laughs> it, that's tough. But forward, right? Yeah. I mean, again, the, you, you do what you can. You, you, not everybody can be saved, but um, it's life, unfortunately. But uh, you learn from the mistakes or whatever and then try to use that to help the next person. And yeah, with that, let's talk about wellness. 
I do. I think we both need the vacation now. And I think I am getting in my car and I'm driving right up to the Stanford Inn and I am going to visit Sid. Sid, thank you so much for joining us and helping to bring a little bit more positive spirit, positive energy, more well-being into our presence. Happy to be here and thanks for having me. So, Sid, um, tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, your uh, educational history as such, uh, and uh, how you got involved in ecotourism and then the wellness center at, at the inn. Cool. Well, first of all, I'll just let you know that Jeff and Joan Stanford um, started this, and they bought it as a very small lodge, and then they turned it into the resort that it is, but they bought it in 1980. So, um, I've been here 17 years and we've had the wellness center even longer than that. So it's, it's, it's pretty established. We've grown it since then and into multiple different areas, which we can talk about, but that's what that is. Um, my bachelor's degree is in philosophy from UCLA. Um, so I had no designs on nutrition early on. I, I always joked that my degree helped me for what I was pursuing, which was to be an indie rock musician. And then, oh um, and so that, was, <laughs> but, the, but I was also a lifelong. You're going to sing for us too? Sure. Um, I just finished a new album for the first time in 15 years, which is kind of cool. But side note, but also but also about stress relief. So um, but uh, I was a lifelong asthmatic and I made a little dietary change when I was 22 and my asthma went away and never came back. My allergies gone. And so at that point, I started reading voraciously on nutrition. I moved up here with my wife and first child at the time. We have twins since then. Um, but I went back to school and became a certified nutritionist. Um, at that point, took over uh, the wellness programs director uh, position here. And with Joan and Jeff have grown this wellness center into a very cool multi-directional place that is all about stress management. And we want people to have fun on vacation, but also to take home with them some tools that will not allow them to manage stress most of the time because vacation is never enough. And um, and so that's where we're at now. And it's it's a it's a pretty incredible place. So I have to ask you about that asthma because I do have asthma. I have adult onset of asthma. What was that tip? You can't leave us hanging on that. Uh, dairy. That's right. I ended up anaphylactic to dairy just yeah, last yeah. year. I found no, I was this a, out. I was so. Definitely dairy allergy. I read a book. It was, Interesting. It was in, this has been in 19, uh, about 92. I graduated in 91. So um, the book was called Fit for Life. And they were talking about, and they made some comment in the book about dairy and asthma. I said, that's ridiculous. But I figured, you know what, I got nothing to lose. So I gave it up for a month. My asthma went away and I was like, oh man, that's crazy. And so that was the first, I mean, I was 22. So it was just like this, and I didn't even eat really that healthy, but just that move had such a huge effect on me. No more inhalers. And I was singing at night and I'm, a, you know, at that point, a recreational runner. And it was really great to not have asthma. It was pretty cool. And, but it, it's opened my eyes of, of that there is an effect, a very profound effect food can have. It doesn't solve everything, but it does make a, a, a big dent in, in our overall health and stress. And, and so it just allowed me to research for the next 15 years before I actually decided to do it as a profession. We have about 30 seconds before coming up on a break. And when we get to that next segment, I, I do want to talk about you know, what is a wellness center, but real, it sounds like that little change with dairy or, or removing dairy, right? Sparked your interest in nutrition and that kind of set you on, on this course. Is that a fair statement? That's a totally fair statement. And I just became passionate about and decided that I was going to pursue it when I moved up here and, and uh, decided to go back and, and become certified in it because it was such a fascinating subject for me. And I wanted to be able to teach people and work with people on that level. Fantastic. Here on The Heart of Innovation, we're going to find out exactly what he's teaching. And I think he might teach us a few things 
as well before we get through this hour, so stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining us. We are continuing our conversation with Sid, who is the Stanford Inn Wellness Programs Director. So, Sid, tell me, what, what is a wellness program and, and what's it doing at a resort where folks are on vacation? Don't they want to get away and just do nothing? And eat lots and lots of good <laughs> And eat food. bad food? Yeah, well, it, it, so yes and no. Um, there are some guests who, who do do nothing. Um, they sit on their deck and have a cosmopolitan and look at the ocean. Um, but there's a certain amount of people that have, um, while on vacation, a desire to do some wellness related things. There's, we live in a really natural area up here in Mendocino. I'm a trail, a trail runner. So beautiful, natural beauty. The Stanford and land itself is insane. Some people don't even leave the property. They're just walking around organic gardens and they're taking a, one of our canoes up the river. It's it's so it's very much of a, um, I would say a reconnection to nature, or at least to be in, in a natural setting. We are a, a nice resort also, but it's beautiful with the plants and everything else. So it's, it's a weird kind of mix. It works really, really well, but some guests want to take a class, you know, they're, they're here, they're on vacation. It's still super fun. I do my best and and the practitioners here to make everything very fun. This isn't like a Esalen where you go to do classes all day. This is a vacation spot and people go, oh, it'd be fun to take a cooking class. And so they book a cooking class or a nutrition or a creative play shop that Joan Stanford teaches where people just get in and get messy with art and and, and incredible people's faces just brighten up after, you know, and so it, it adds to the stress relief of vacations by, by taking on some of these wellness activities. So for me, since I mentioned I'm going on vacation and I have to drive 10 hours to North Carolina and then we're going to a beach with my family and there's about 25 of us. I often look, I get really excited about going and then I come back, it goes back so by so quickly and I'm not refreshed. And I don't know what it is because we're planning things and we're doing stuff and we're running around. So it sounds like you guys take a different approach, right? Or at least have an outlet for for people to explore a cooking class or just kind of decompress and and get, you know, back to uh, their roots with nature as such. Um, Do you you find that the guests really enjoy this? I mean, sounds like it's a pretty popular place. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. It's it's it is a great place and it's and it is such a one of a kind. Uh, this resort is 
is there's nothing like it. I mean, actually nothing like it. Um, and so guests, you know, any vacation can be stressful depending on travel. We're pretty remote. So if you're coming from New York, it's going to be an all day travel. So you could show up back at home and feel kind of burnt. Um, we do our best to make sure that guests while they're here are in, are having a very relaxing time. And in the terms of the wellness side of things that they're coming home, uh, back home with actual tools to implement at home, because again, vacation's never enough. And so it's vacation should be restorative and, and restful, but then how are you doing most of the time? Like the other 51 weeks a year, that's really going to be what makes a person uh, healthy and happy is going to be most if those most of the time kind of models. And that's really what, what I'm focused on as a practitioner. And what we're focused on here is the practical stuff to, to help change people's lives when they get home. Share a story of someone that literally came to your facility and had some sort of awakening while they were there. Uh, it's been a bunch. I mean, we get emails from people who go, you know, they and we're not even like a it's not a health retreat. I can't stress that enough. It's very odd because there's healthy things to do, but we're not a place like Hippocrates in Florida where people come for detox. We don't do detoxes. But we get all these emails from people who came here, then they go home and they start eating better. They don't eat 100% healthy, neither do I, by the way, but they eat better most of the time. And they will re reference their stay here. They'll say, I was here five years ago. And during that stay, they took some classes and they went home and it literally changed their business, how they do the business of their lives. Like it changed their ability to, to treat themselves better. That's how I come at it. And it's pretty cool. And it happens a lot. It's not a one-off. It's like, oh yeah, I was there two years ago. And I, after I came home, I started eating better and I feel great. And I've lost 30 pounds and I have way more energy all because of this like four day stay here, you know? And so it's it's what Joan and Jeff have built. And I'd like to think that I had a hand in that over the years has been a really special thing. We're not heavy handed. You don't come in and have a have to take anything. Like I said, but people kind of wander in. I just did a breath class yesterday with three uh, mother and two daughters didn't really know what to expect. They didn't. And they I just saw them in the lobby before this interview. And they were just like, oh, I was practicing it. I just was doing it today. And like, they're already kind of excited about it, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's very rewarding to see that happen. So that's a great segue. I was um, just going to say, good and, call, good call. And so can you share with us over a couple minutes or so, like how you, because I know that breathing is very, obviously we have have to breathe right but i don't think we all breathe properly and you can use change in the cadence of your pattern to you know relax and whatnot so as a is it a breath coach or is it is that your is that what it's called you're a, a breath coach i'm a or functional i'm a i'm a certified functional breathing coach the the approach is called the oxygen advantage and it's okay used by professional athletes and 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 regular folks like like you and I. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's been a game changer for me. I've been, I've been practicing the Wim Hof method for five years, as I was telling Kim earlier, uh, but I don't teach that. I teach the oxygen advantage. I went back and trained in that approach because of its effect on how we breathe most of the time. Again, that's my focus. It's so much my focus that with clients, I call it MOT. I just abbreviated it most of the time. Everybody gets set on the one-offs, the even, you know, I binged on it. It's like, yeah, but what are you doing? How are you doing most of the time? We always, we always focus on the one thing instead of kind of the aggregate of what we do most of the time. So I'm, I'm geared as a breath coach to training people through a variety of exercises to breathe functionally most of the time, even during sleep. And it's been 
absolutely a game changer. I was telling Kim as a with clients, I teach my stress management and uh, run a company called Small Steppers, a stress management and my breathing first for weeks before I even discuss things like running or fitness or or nutrition. It's the breath and the stress management. It's that effective. It's actually changed people's eating patterns before I've even talked about nutrition just by everything calmed down. They're less reactive, less stress eating. Their digestion is better because they're under a low stress state. So before I even have to talk about diet with them, they're already seeing the effect of, of stress management on their, on the quality of their lives. It's very cool. Can you give us a sample? Yeah. And because I was, I was told that it's surprising that even, you know, people think they're getting enough oxygen just because they put the little oximeter on their finger, but there's, it's so much more to that in terms of, getting enough oxygen for overall everything, including your cognitive ability, right? Making sure you're top of your game. Can you just ride the difference? Yes. So good point. And every time I do a class, I wire them up on that pulse oximeter. I said, I guarantee you're going to be between 95 and 99%. And they are every time. It's not the issue of getting enough oxygen. And that's a misunderstanding when it comes to breath work. We're all breathing enough. In fact, we're over breathing. The, The problem with, with the breath in the modern world, given the sort of just baseline higher level of stress is that we're blowing out too much CO2. This is where it gets super interesting. And that is that CO2 is called the Bohr effect. When it is allowed to rise enough, it will trigger the release of the oxygen from the hemoglobin into the tissues. So it's not that we don't have enough in the blood. We do. Everybody who wires up to a pulse oximeter, almost everybody's going to have 99, almost 95 to 99%. Is it being released? And by we're, as we're over breathing and blowing out uh, all that CO2, our levels are so low that they don't aren't high enough. But the other side of it, and we continue after the next break, is that CO2 is what triggers us to breathe. It's not low oxygen. It's actually, it's an increase in CO2. Because we keep our levels so low, it takes just this much to trigger us to breathe. But so we blow out again and not we don't allow it to, to rise up enough to trigger that release. So we're always keeping our CO2 levels too low. It's very weird because we think CO2, you got to get rid of it. We're getting rid of too much. And that's a weird thing. So over time with my coaching, I'm training people to become desensitized to just a little more CO2 in the blood. And that goes by nasal in and out, slowing your breath down, lightening your breath. I can take you through if you guys are interested, but just kind of that level over time. But it is over time because people are so used to having so little in there that they, the slightest rise, they feel like they need to breathe. They blow it out again and it's kept low again. So over time, by desensitizing, they can slow everything down and allow a baseline level of a little bit more CO2 in the bloodstream at any given time. Fantastic. So stay with us coming up after the break. Sid is going to teach us how to breathe. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg. But that does not have to happen to you. 
No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Before we went to break, Sid was sharing with us his techniques of kind of relaxation through breathing, how to breathe properly. And now, Sid, you're going to coach myself and Kim and those listening on how to maybe breathe a little bit differently, huh? Cool. So I'll start by saying that the reason I love this so much is that it's not a new way to breathe. This is a physiological, natural way for the human species to breathe, which is almost entirely through our nose in and out. Our mouth breathing is for times when stress rises enough. Back in the wild, it'd be when we're being chased by a lion, we're going to go to the mouth. But during the day, most times it's in through the nose and out through the nose. Nitric oxide, and it's a it's a broadening, it's humidifying and warming the air. It's a it's it really adds to a more um a more efficient oxygenation of tissue. So the idea is, and I'm going to start you with a very um good warm-up, but I'll sort of spoiler alert it. The the functional breath for the human being is about a, is about one is about six breaths per minute. And so it's a it's about a four second inhale and a six second exhale, but it's very slow and very light. So it looks like this. You will not even know that I'm breathing. It's not upper chest. It's allowing the diaphragm down here to expand all the way around and allow the lungs to go down with as you breathe. And it's just very light. Go ahead. Uh, we're on the radio. So we also for yeah. those who can't actually see what we're doing. Yeah. Um, we got to describe to them a little bit more. Got it. So the diaphragm is is a is a basically a muscle underneath your lungs, and it goes down as you inhale. In theory, everyone keeps their midsections very tight, so sometimes there's nowhere to go but upper chest. So their shoulders rise and their chest kind of goes up. But the best transition into the blood of oxygen goes at the bottom of the lungs, and so when we lighten our breath and slow our breath, we move from something like this which if you can, if your listeners can hear is more of a quick thing to more of a quiet, slow. So what we're going to do here, just to, just a few rounds, this is a really good calming exercise. So you're, I'm going to say, take a regular breath in, regular breath out. You're going to do that through your nose. And as you exhale, it's a nice long extended exhale, which stimulates the vagus nerve. It's that parasympathetic side and calms you down. I'm going to say regular breath in, regular breath out. You're going to release that exhale. You're not going to blow it out. Just release it till it stops. And you're going to hold on that exhale for five seconds. And then you're going to breathe. I'll, I'll take you through the whole thing. Then you're just going to breathe for about 10 seconds. Hold on the exhale for five. Breathe for 10, hold on the exhale for five. You want to try it real quick? Sure, you're going to coach us through. Let's do it. So I'm going to say, and I'll coach you through the whole thing. Okay. Regular breath in, regular breath out through the nose. Release your exhale till it stops by itself. And, And just as an estimate, but anyways, and hold on the exhale, two, 
three, four, five. Now breathe regularly through the nose. So you're lightening and you're softening real quiet. You shouldn't even imagine the little hairs in your nose, not even moving. That's kind of the end game. This is hard for people who are very sensitive to CO2 because it slightest rise. They start to feel like they need to breathe and that's okay. But over time it gets easier. So let's try it again. Regular breath in, regular breath out through the nose. Release your exhale, let it out until it stops by itself and hold two, three, four, five. Now breathe regularly again. So you kind of come back in your breath. And what we're doing here is by holding that exhale, we're allowing a little more CO2 to creep in. Not so much that people panic or whatever, but a little more. And you start to exercise over time, your body getting used to having a little more CO2 in your cardiovascular system at any given time. One more time, regular breath in, regular breath out. Release your exhale and hold two, three, four, five. So it's a really nice exercise to, I do that as I'm warming up before a run, I do it to cool down. So as your heart rate down, again, stimulates that vagus nerve, the long extended exhale. And it's a really cool kind of wherever you are going, going into a meeting, just, you can do it in your head, release your exhale, hold it for five seconds, breathe to recover, and just about three to five rounds of that is a really great, effective way. To I felt like as as I was doing it, my stomach was expanding and I was focusing more on the diaphragm abdomen as opposed to. That's right. You know, people, and, that. In this approach, people, when they say deep breath, people often think. But in, in my approach, oxygen advantage, deep breath means deep into the lungs. It's not mm-hmm. deep full. So it's a very light breath. And it's a very quiet breath. And, and in fact, the motto of the approach is breathe light to breathe right. So it's 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 a, over time, a lightning. This is how cra- I just want your listeners to know how crazy I am. I was a mouth breather for 50 years and I have transitioned myself to nasal breathing 100 percent at night. But I tape my mouth shut. Well, you know, I was going to ask you that because wow. I've seen I've seen yes. people there's tape and I'm thinking, yeah. Hmm. There's so there's obviously something to that, which you just for sure. Yeah. And I've transitioned over time by desensitizing myself to CO2. I run when I go for runs, I'm almost entirely through my nose unless I'm on a real steep trail. I'll transition to mouth. That's appropriate. And then as soon as it levels out or goes downhill, I'm back into my nose. So it's a it's a really great way to keep yourself you know, the fitness levels go up, endurance goes up, anxiety comes down, stress comes down, sleep gets better, all those kinds of things. So this is something that we have unlearned yes. over time, I imagine. Correct. It's, you know, I attribute it, Kim, to the base, the stress of the modern world. I always, when I teach, I always say, we removed the two biggest parts of stress when we were in the wild, chased by lions, and can't find food. We got rid of those. We're, we got those dialed in in most countries. We're not being chased by wild animals and we know where our food's coming from. And yet our baseline level of stress is too high. And because of that, our response in our bodies is to breathe too much. We are over breathing and we're very shallow. And it's sort of our, we're kind of heart rate variability. I don't know if you work in that realm. Heart rate variability is not, not in good shape for the modern human being. And so this is a return to a more natural way to breathe that makes everything physiologically run a little bit better. I wonder if this is something that Dr. Phillips can do with some of his patients during a consult. Well, I, I think that we, this is the second time I've heard of this theory and a book that I'm reading. And I, I guess I never really thought about how I breathe. I just know that I tend to probably breathe with my mouth. And when I'm exercising, I'm doing this a lot of times. And and I, I find that fascinating that, you know, Sid, you are 
do you run ultra marathon or i mean like you're a runner though right so i mean you're, you're now okay but, but i mean i had to run my first ultra until i was 46 but so you can train oh, yourself wow. to breathe through your nose the Correct. whole time except when you have to and i think that's fascinating i just felt i don't know about you kim but that two minutes that we were doing it focusing on my breathing i felt really calm for some it, it just it felt pretty cool i like it yeah well i also felt like my head cleared up yeah i agree i agree the it's, focus it, was a little bit more there. Yeah, I, I mean, I practice literally every day. Um, and I will tell you that his, it has been, you know, I find myself calmer. I'm in meetings. I'm mouth closed. It just, I've kind of just trained myself. The only time uh, is I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. How often do you practice or how often should somebody practice? Well, I'm a small stepper. So I say if it's a minute a day and it gets you, it gets it on your radar most days, that's a great place to start. Um, I will say that probably when you add the Wim Hof and the, in the cold tub that I do. And cause I do breath work in there as well. And plus this, I probably f- an hour at least, but you got to understand some of that is like in the car on the way to work. I have an app that counts me four seconds in and six seconds out. And I follow that in the car on the way to work. I follow it in the car on the way home from work. So I do, I go to the, I go to the town to, to check the mail for the resort. I do an exercise on my way to the post office. So I kind of integrate it into my life such that I'm not sitting there, you know, I can't do anything else. I'm, I've, I've moved. I've made it part of my life. So just so I understand it, is it is it four seconds inhalation and then exhalation and then not pushing it out and then a six second pause? Is no, that right or no? No, it is four seconds in and okay. six seconds out. There is no pause here. So there are many different box breathing and the four, seven, yep. eight those yep. Are yep. holds and those are exercises. And I have and those are what I have my clients do. I mean, not those, but exercises. But what I'm talking about is a four second inhale, six second out as a way to breathe most of the time. Train the exercises are to program you to breathe close to that when you're not thinking about it. I see. I so see. Okay. we have a question that's coming in from one of our our listeners. What is the app that you use to help oh, you with your? Breathing? Yeah, it's called the breathing app, and I'm not connected financially to. At, at all. I just want you to make sure I'm very sensitive about that. I don't sell supplements or anything like that. It's called the breathing app. Any, and then there's many of them. Anyone you find, they should be able to change it so that it's a four second in and a six second out and to play with that at home. Now, again, for some people, it's very hard because that six second long exhale, CO2 comes up and they, they feel, oh, I got to breathe. And so take your time with it. It's okay. But how I held, how I had people um, hold on the exhale, all the breathing exercises I coach are to extend that hold on the exhale to get you desensitized to CO2. It takes a while. I've been doing this every day, every day for over three years. Um, and so it's just a matter of getting it on your radar and, 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 pract- and building a practice out of it. It's so interesting that you're focusing on breath work because so many of our patients have high blood pressure, the cardiovascular patients. And so this is something if they're more conscious of their breathing, they're able to use breathing techniques to bring down their stress, bring down right. their anxiety. They can ultimately get their blood pressure at least into more controllable levels coupled with a better diet. I was just going to say, and some exercise that is not too much. Uh, you, know, that, you know, it's like all those kinds of pieces all come in. It's not one thing, but boy, you add those things together and, and it's a, it's game changer. And that's a great segue because I think going into our next segment, we can talk about, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sid, but you have a plant, your, your, your uh, in is plant-based. Is that, is that right? Yes. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. So stay with us coming up after the break. We'll discuss more with Sid. 
I'm Sid Garza-Hillman, Wellness Programs Director with the Stanford Inn and Resort along the Mendocino Coast with this week's Medical Notepad. Today, we are talking about functional breathing and vascular health. So functional breathing is very important in keeping our stress levels low and keeping our overall stress really managed and really nice. I'm going to take you through a quick exercise that if you're feeling a little stressed and anxious to come into your breath and calm things down goes a very long way. And it goes like this. Start breathing into your nose and out of your nose. Your mouth is very relaxed and lips closed. Then you're going to go in through the nose and out through the nose. And you're going to lighten and soften that breath. So it's almost like you can't even hear it. And you're just kind of calm. And as you're breathing, I'm going to now cue you to what is really a functional breath for the human species, which is about a four second inhale and about a six second out. So right now, just kind of, and the, the exhale is just a release. Don't push out. Just let it go till it stops. And if you stop before I'm done with the six seconds, just wait until you hear me say in. So let's give it a try. Ready? Release your exhale and then follow my lead. And here we go. And in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, and in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six. Now, again, that was only two, but to spend a couple minutes each day to just come into that and four second in, six second out, will you will see the calmness and you'll get to be familiar with it. So start you'll start kind of settling in that most times. With this week's medical notepad, I'm Sid Garza-Hillman, Wellness Programs Director of the Stanford Inn and Resort along the Mendocino Coast of California. Remember, the advice and views offered during this series are for educational purposes only. Always check with your own healthcare provider before acting on any information provided here. If you want more information about peripheral artery disease, which impacts circulation in your legs, causing pain, cramping and neuropathy go to standagainstamputation.com and for real-time support go to thewaytomyheart.org welcome back to the heart of innovation for more on today's topic go to theheartofinnovation.org that's theheartofinnovation.org once again here's emmy award-winning journalist kim mcnicholas and interventional cardiologist dr john phillips Welcome back, everybody. And since uh, we finished the, the last segment on breathing, we're going to pivot to what we all love is food. And Sid just told me during the break that they are the only 100% vegan resort in North America. Sid, tell us a little bit about that, why you're all vegan, and how does that play into the food that's made and the guests that potentially come there? Yeah, well... Interestingly, about over 95% of our guests are not vegan or vegetarian. So again, we're, we're a resort. People come for a great vacation. They, it's good food. But we, you know, we have a full bar and, and the wellness center, of course, and canoeing and biking and a pool. It's a, it's a very like, come on and have a great vacation kind of thing. Um, the reason why we're 100% vegan is, is really non-nutritional. It's more of an environmental ethical standpoint um, that Jeff and Joan um, embody and myself too. I've been 100% vegan for 22 years. Um, my family too raised my three my three children that way. Um, but you know, for your listeners who may or may not know, the least healthy food in the world is vegan. What the definition of vegan is is no animal products. And what I always say when I teach cooking and nutrition is I have no idea what vegans eat. I only know what they don't eat. And Coca-Cola is vegan. So you can drink scotch and Coca-Cola and be vegan. So it's it it, uh, it doesn't tell me anything. Um, and I've ha- I've met extremely unhealthy vegans. Uh, in my many years of doing this and speaking around the country. So what we're trying to focus on here, and again, we're not a health retreat, but 
for the most part, again, we have a full bar and we have scones that are delicious, but they're not healthy, um, is most of our menu uh, menus, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are whole plant focused. And what that means is that less processing, less energy goes in. So there's certainly an environmental aspect to that, um, but it is healthier. And it's because I'm, as a nutritionist, very fiber focused fiber, among other things, nourishes the good gut bacteria. So as a, as a species where we're out in the wild and still to this day, the hunter gatherer species that's still uh, Hadza, there's a, a, a tribe mostly plant-based or about 95% plant-based and animals when necessary, when they don't get enough calories from plants, let's say. And so it's a very, we're very much of a fiber species. We thrive on that as gorillas do too, and chimpanzees. And so it's sort of that kind of model here, but we're trying to make it delicious and accessible. So we have things on our menu, enchiladas, uh, ravioli, um, like a Kahlua mushroom kind of pulled pork type thing that people who are not vegan, again, most of our guests, come and, and enjoy and love because they get it in the morning. We have a ranchero and we have a breakfast burrito and we have a, you know, tofu scramble and we've got, you know, all waffles and pancakes, things like that. People get kids love it, you know? And so it, it's a pretty, pretty accessible on purpose model in the context of a mostly whole plant cuisine. But what about diabetics? Because more than 50% of American adults are either pre-diabetic diabetic or diabetic and carbs are a pretty big deal. So many vegans I know are heavy in the carbs and that can really raise your, your, um, the glycemic index. Yeah. Well, the science on that tells a little bit of a different story. I will tell you. So they're reversing type two diabetes on whole plant-based diets, which are are high carbohydrates. So I will tell you right now, like as a nutritionist, I'm a very high carbohydrate nutritionist, very low fat, very low protein. And when you're looking at what diabetes is, which is an insulin issue, I'll put it this way. If it were carbohydrates, I'd be diabetic because I've been eating high carbs, ton of fruit for 22 years, but I'm nowhere near diabetic. And when you look at the actual science of what inhibits insulin from being able to do its job, which is to get that out of the blood into the storage, it's high fat versing type 2 diabetes by putting people on a high carbohydrate diet, not junk food carbohydrates, not donuts. Yes, there's a difference. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And when you marry those things with fiber, which is found in plants, whole plants, the blood sugar is even. It's actually a greater function of blood glucose control is the fiber content of that meal more than it is the, the, the carbohydrate content. I can eat a ton of fruit and my blood sugar doesn't spike. That's because of the presence of fiber keeps things very, very regular and very, um, I, I have a, a client, I just put di- type one diabetic. We're not reversing it, but- he changes diet three weeks later, he's 50% reduction in his insulin, 50% reduction in three weeks and lost 25 pounds. He's and, 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 and two months later, he's at a healthy weight for the first time. He's my age, 55, almost 55. So, so, so two questions. Um, one, where do you, where do you get your protein from? And second question is a lot of the, the what I think what you're describing takes time and is, you know, it takes time to prepare right at home. And, and, um, you know, I think we live in a society where people just want to go to the store and get something quick and, uh, and, and, and it's also expensive. So how do you, how do you, I guess, balance that? Cause people have to put effort into making these meals and, and, and going to the store, getting fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, et cetera. Right. Well, it doesn't take any more time. You know, I've raised three kids, two of them are twins. So the fact that I'm even awake right now is kind of amazing. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's and again, that's what we do here at the resort is we're we're demystifying that we're taking the roadblocks. However far you go, it's up to you. But we're taking the roadblocks out. It does not take more time. 
and then I spend less time in the kitchen probably than anybody I know. And I'm the only, we're the only vegan family of, in our, in our close circle of friends. Um, and as far as the protein goes, every whole plant, I mean, there's more protein per calorie in spinach than there is in beef. So it, it is, it is literally impossible to be protein deficient when you have enough calories. So that's a myth. That's a myth too. Then hundred percent. There's a great book. I would recommend a buddy of mine uh, wrote it named Garth Davis. He's a doctor out of Houston. Um, an MD, but who also trained in nutrition called proteinaholic and why his story is interesting. He's a gastric bypass surgeon and he has a practice called the Davis clinic and his first book on weight loss and then advocated for a high protein diet. And I asked him on my first podcast when I had it years ago, he said, everything in my book was research uh, backed except for high protein diet. It was just dogma. He went, then got deep into the research. His next book's called proteinaholic how high protein diets are killing us. When he got into the research, he actually changed his tune 180 degrees. And, and that is what's happening. And, and it's very exciting stuff. Uh, there's a great uh, site called nutritionfacts.org where Michael Greger, it's a nonprofit. He goes in, he's not funded by any industry. And he goes in and actually looks at the science, the real science of it. And it is very eye-opening. It's so interesting. You, you should really follow the trends. Anything that's trendy, do not follow it because somehow it there always ends up being some sort of reversal, right? Yeah. It's, you know, just like with the keto, the South Beach diet, all of the yeah. above. And then suddenly everyone's on it. There are all kinds of packaged food. Everyone's on the bandwagon. And then right. they're like, hey, halt, stop. No, nope, yeah. not good for yeah. you. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, putting baked potatoes, uh, roasted vegetable salad, lentil soups, I mean, burritos, uh, but you just, you know, it's very easy to do. It's not, again, if it were really hard, I wouldn't do it with kids. You know, we, putting a fruit smoothie together. Three what minutes. about for someone like me that is, I have a lot of food allergies. So I'm allergic to gluten. I'm allergic to barley. I'm allergic to baker's yeast. I'm allergic to wheat. What do I do? Well, most everything you just listed there was gluten. And, and so it's very easy to be quinoa, brown rice, millet, buckwheat, there's a amaranth, there's a ton of grains you can play with, roasted, like I said, beans, roasted vegetables, oatmeal, you can get gluten-free oatmeal. Um, it just means it's not grown near wheat, but anyways, it, and, and a ton of fruit. And it's, it's like when you get into it, it is, and this is why I coach with clients because they always have that preconceived idea, I do it, but it just takes so much time. I'm like, this is how easy this is. I mean, it is like super easy. And I, it's not even just kind of easy. It's actually easier. And when you get in the whole plant realm, one of the cells I have without selling anything is you spend less time thinking about food. I don't measure, count, or weigh anything. I eat more if I'm training for a race. I eat less if I'm not. And I'm in that realm. I've never been protein deficient. If I were protein deficient in 22 years, I'd know by now. And, and I'm not. The only thing, the only supplement I take is B12 because that comes from dirt. Um, and we, I wash my produce like most people do. And I take D if I'm not out in the sun. And that's, and that's it. And my kids too. And my wife who gave birth to twins on a hundred percent plant-based diet, no problem. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of industry and a lot of money being made from keto kinds of craziness, but then there's the science. And one of my favorite magazine covers was the keto magazine, chef Waldorf salad on the cover. I go, Whoa, those cave people were eating like Kings over there. Good Lord. <laughs> We've got about a minute left before our break. What, what do you think about intermittent fasting? I'm a huge fan. And the reason is, is because again, my first book is called Approaching the Natural. All this follows, including the breath, which wasn't in my book, but it would be if I ever rewrote it, is a return to what's natural for us. We eat during the day, 
and we sleep at night. But with artificial lights, we're eating at 10 p.m. and we're going to bed 30 minutes later. We're not digesting efficiently. And we get up at five in the morning and we're eating and we're eating all the way through. And our gut bacteria is not ready for food at 5 a.m. nor is it ready for food at 10 p.m. So there's a difference in terms of the activity in the gut, which is, by the way, on circadian rhythm, just like our, our cells, day and night schedule. So everyone gets deep in the weeds on intermittent fasting, but the fact of the matter is it just eat when it's light and don't eat it when it's dark. And that's, we get so confused and so crazed by, you know, apoptosis and senescent cells. That's all great. But for the person who's just getting up and going to work, eat during the day and don't eat at night. When it gets dark outside, stop eating. And that's basically what intermittent, I'm a huge fan. Well, coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, we'll have final thoughts from Sid Garza Hillman. So stay with us, you don't wanna miss that. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We started with mentioning that we were going to talk about ecotourism, and we are going to close with... What is ecotourism and why is this booming and how does it relate to what you're doing and what we've been talking about over the last hour? So, the, I mean, I would say the definition of ecotourism is tourism with an environmentally sustainable mindset behind it. And so it's basically there's a there are people and it's growing. I mean, look, we're recording this now in in the hottest recorded summer (laughs) ever, right? So you're talking about climate change. You're talking about, we're going to have to, as a species, make some moves to be a little light, to lighten our touch on the earth. And that that's just a, we either do or we don't, but it's, it's time. So the, the Stanford, Jeff and Joan basically have from day one, long before I was here, fashioned this place and moves in directions that have a sustainable backdrop. So the materials they use, the cleaning supplies that we use, the food we serve is the number one thing that we do that is the most environmentally sustainable thing that we do is the is the food we serve. Animal agriculture is a huge draw on the environment, just a huge drain. And this, it, again, the, it's the science is there. So it's just everything they do is kind of this ethic of how do we do this in a way that doesn't you know, isn't too heavy handed on the earth. We have an organic garden. We bring produce up from there and we serve that in the restaurant. We, again, the cleaning supplies, all the things that we do, electric car, biodiesel, truck, you know, things that are, anything that we can do as possible, our to-go stuff is all biodegradable, compostable. Like we, all the products we use are as the best quality that we can get and the lightest touch that we can get. And that's essentially what ecotourism. My, my concern as somebody who works for a resort in in this vein is a lot of greenwashing, a lot of, Hey, we're, we're eco. But when you actually look at the facts, they're really not, and they're maybe better than others. And that's cool. But there's a lot more that people can do on a day-to-day basis that really make a difference. Is, is it um, more expensive to, to go that route? Uh, and do yeah. you envision, do you envision the large resorts of the world, the four seasons and the Hiltons and whatever, like go on that route or, you know, I see, I go to the hotel, right. And they're like, Hey, if you don't want to wash your dust to wash your towels, just, you know, hang them up. That's their step in that direction, I guess. Yeah, And look, all positive stuff. Look, John, the fact of the matter is it is a little bit more expensive and here's not because it should be, or could be otherwise. Um, You know, we, 
we serve organic produce here. So we we order you know organic plants and they're going to be more expensive than convention, conventional. That's a systemic that that needs to change on a on a subsidies is a perfect example. McDonald's is cheap because of subsidies. And if they, and if and if we can rearrange how we do the business of this, at least in the United States, all of a sudden people have to pay what the market actually would bear without subsidies. They wouldn't be eating as many Big Macs. And so we're trying to answer those bigger questions here. Perfect way to finish. Thank you so much. Sid Garza-Hillman, head of the wellness program over at the Stanford Inn along the Mendocino Coast. If anyone wants to reach out to learn more, Sid, where can they go? StanfordInn.com. Very easy. StanfordInn.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. John, enjoy your vacation. Take care. We'll see you guys. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.